AJ, just hit us with that spooky season music straight away. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And you guessed it, this is the last, or sort of last, spooky season episode of this season, 2021. Bittersweet. It went yeah. by so quickly. It did go like, by really, really quickly. I thought I had we had like another eight week. more games in mind. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I laid out this like very ambitious big plan in our first episode about all the stuff I was going to play, and then only got to like half of it. But hey, there's always next year. I'm glad always there's already year. stuff that like okay, I know, I know, will be the big ones next year. For yeah, sure. totally. Yeah, because honestly, this time I think like weirdly enough, at least for me, spooky season is when I'm most willing to take chances. Like I think mm. doing the show, like I'm always looking to have like my preconceived notions of what I like or what I look for in a game to be challenged but we've been doing it long enough that I kind of know what I like and what I'm looking for yeah but with horror stuff I still feel so new to the genre that I'm like yeah I'll play this whatever let's do it you know I like (laughs) just having no boundaries in that way yeah it's been really fun and I've already like especially last year last year was when I really learned that I liked horror games and now I'm learning what horror games I like Mm. And honestly, I keep going back to Resident Evil Village and just realizing like what an incredible experience that was. And that to me is like in structure, at least my ideal horror game. You've got that like roller coaster ride ebb and flow of like peace and then horror and then like the joy of unraveling an environment. Ah, everything about it. Yeah. My my biggest uh, bummer, I think, for spooky season this year is that I, I don't get to play Resident Evil 4 VR because it's a it's a <laughs> Facebook exclusive (laughs) what yeah did you know that no that's so funny yeah so it only exists on the oculus quest 2 i I believe which is the one that like doesn't plug into anything it just all runs in the headset itself um but like you need a facebook account to uh play the games and like buy the games on it and i just don't want to do that personally but I do desperately want that game on a different VR headset. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, eventually it makes its way somewhere else. Honestly, yeah. I would love to play Resident Evil 4 with the Time Crisis step, the, the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. pedal. That would, because it's, it works so well with like you, you stop and pull up your gun. Yeah. That would be my ideal way to play that game. The way it works in the VR version, it just sounds so good. And that's what's so upsetting about it. Yeah. The, the, the way it works in the VR version is, uh, you know, at any point you can like you actually reach for the gun, which mm. is like strapped to you. And you know how, like, generally speaking, you'd have to like switch weapons to the knife or whatever. In the VR version, you literally look down and the knife is strapped to your chest and you like have to pull it out if you want to use it. Oh, that's fun. Um, and then also when you're looking in the suitcase and you have to rearrange stuff you like literally have to pick the stuff up with your hands and rearrange it like tetris blocks uh to get everything to fit in your suitcase yeah it sounds great it sounds like actually legitimately really good but uh i'm I'm not about to give mark more money yeah nice try mark nice try marky mark no thanks bro i said to mark Can you imagine Mark Zuckerberg in like the zombie Napoleon outfit? Like, don't you want to play my new Oculus? No, yeah. thanks, bro. You haven't seen uh, Denny Villeneuve's Dune yet, have you? No, I really want to. Wondering if I should read it first or not, but we'll talk about that another time. But I haven't seen it. I read the first third of the book and it was mm. very helpful for the movie. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I put good it down. Know. I was like, I this is impenetrable. I'm having a very hard time <laughs> and not realizing that a lot of it had subconsciously like sunk in and I understood it. It made watching that movie 
Much easier. I will say it deserves to be seen in IMAX, but must be seen at home with subtitles. That's my that's my big thing about Dune. I will probably see it again in IMAX now that I know what's happening because I already watched it once with subtitles on. I have my dad's like very tastefully disheveled 70s copy that is like it's Great. got like coffee pages. You know, it's yeah. like it's yellow to the point of actually becoming something new. Yeah. Um <laughs> has like one fold in the cover. It's like the most legit copy of dune that exists yeah same with les mis he gave me two books les mis oh and dune, which might be like the keys to my heart in some ways yeah i actually to be honest i have not read either i've started both every year pretty much and yeah. i never like commit because yeah. those are both gigantic books i've tried reading dune so many times and then yeah. ended up picking it up one last time thinking like all right i'll finally finish reading it for the movie and then just like could not do it because somebody gave me a different book that like was fun to read and then i had <laughs> <laughs> a great time reading that book instead but i literally it. think our friend pablo got me into one piece the last time i tried to read dune so i think he literally <laughs> said like why haven't you read one piece and just like and that was it that, yeah and that was it yeah yeah i had a similar experience with pablo and one piece. <laughs> <laughs> pablo we love you is also secretly a one piece salesman yeah so, he, you know, that's his at, religion yeah him. he just like knocks on people's door do you have a, a minute to spare for luffy yeah <laughs> Luffy who? So there are <laughs> devil fruits, okay? Speaking of devils, it's spooky season. What have you <laughs> been playing? <laughs> We're back, baby. We got some games for you. One of the games that I played before, but I wanted to revisit because it was on Game Pass, is Limbo. It's a game that came out in like 2010, developed by Playdead, who also made Inside, which was a more recent game. But Limbo came out like right in that era of the 360, like giving a spotlight to indie games. So Xbox like, Live Arcade, a good era. Yeah, yeah. Limbo, Braid, and Bastion to me yeah. are all kind of in this realm of like large-headed protagonists in a in a world <laughs> but limbo just like really stood out for its design it looks like a what's the word it just looks like an old school like german horror movie and like the, the film grain totally and the like black and white and you play as this child but it's just a silhouette with like glowing eyes and you navigate like an extremely spooky atmosphere it's essentially a platformer with like light puzzles and at the time it really stood out because of the atmosphere and because like i don't know if any game really like sought that style yet or at least games that i knew yeah it was very very striking visually when it dropped yeah i remember I sat down and played when it came out um, was when I was in college in my brief stint in college uh, and my roommate was a video game design major and I remember Limbo came out and the two of us sat down and we played through the whole thing in one sitting it's like yeah three hours ish yeah it's not long yeah it's it's really short um, and it's wonderful for sitting down for three hours and just like playing to completion <laughs> uh, it's a, it's an incredible game yeah i remember like i had a friend over too and i just showed him the game and he was so smitten by it we also just like beat it in one sitting yeah and i had very fond memories of it we talked about it i think in our games of the decade episode as a 2010 game yeah and i wanted to revisit because i'm like okay this is really cool at the time but i'm wondering it kind of holds a similar place to like cave story and that these are like sort of the godfathers of like indie games but like people have like kind of done it better since yeah like i think a lot of people would argue that play dead has done it better since with inside right with inside exactly um which i played 
the first, maybe the second half, because I did see the ending. So I played part of Inside <laughs> at a friend's house and, and enjoyed it. But I, I actually wanted to play Inside alongside Limbo and kind of see and compare the two. But um, I wasn't able to get to Inside. But yeah. um, I liked Inside. I wasn't as smitten by it, though, as Limbo for whatever reason. I'm not yeah. sure why. Yeah, I didn't like Inside very much, if I'm being totally yeah. honest. I, I played that also in one sitting because I was so excited based on my love of Limbo. Yeah. And just kind of found it to be disappointing like the end is great everybody will talk about the end and everybody's right about the end the ending yeah. is great but yeah. the the time it takes to get there and and the stuff that happens along the way i'm trying to not spoil literally anything the stuff that happens in the plot uh is like fine i, I think i think limbo is a much more concise and much more i think like thematically striking piece than inside was that's how i feel yeah i think like the least successful parts of limbo feel like they're front and center and inside where like mm. there's a point where limbo like it begins like outside you're just like a kid in the woods yeah it almost feels like the beginning cutscene of uh resident evil village with like the sort of dark fairy tale oh, aspect yeah. to it and one of the first like really striking moments in limbo is the giant spider and like that whole act with the spider is like chef kiss like excellent like it's so yeah it's it's genuinely scary and it really showcases like what the game is setting out to do there's a point where it's a hard game to spoil because it's so atmospheric but like right. there's a point where the spider gets you and wraps you in silk and you're just like hanging in its web and you have to just like spend like a good 20 minutes just like as this like <laughs> cocoon wrapped little kid hopping, hopping around. around yeah I think what the game does so well is like every time you die or anytime anything happens, it's so unceremonious in a way that creates this very sort of hopeless atmosphere. Yeah. That I think makes, you know, it sounds like a bummer and it is in some ways, but like it's, it's beautiful in a way and it's like almost Zen in a way, Yeah, despite the fact that the deaths are so gruesome and like it's, cut by the fact that it's just a silhouette but you still like your head pops off like a lot in this game yeah it ma makes like very simple like noises every time <laughs> <laughs> there's a point though where you go into an environment that's like more industrial and the threats are more mechanical they're like buzz saws and like guns and it's fine like the puzzles and the navigation of those environments are really well done that's i think the strength of the game still is like the feeling of the platforming and the kind of weight everything has and like Everything has a little bit of like a ragdoll vibe to it mm. that I think creates like a very unique sense of movement and place to it. Yeah. The animation is is stunning in that game. Yeah. I, I remember. I, I have the, I have this like really visceral visual image of specifically the animation when you are running and then you have to jump over something. The way he yeah. kind of like scrambles on the ground before he jumps yeah. um, is like really, really, really burned into my head. It feels like just sort of like a short nightmare, I guess. In a, in a way. <laughs> it's like a little nightmare you can like enjoy. It's, it's like, like a nightmare where you wake up and you're like, was that a nightmare or was that just a dream? And, you know, it's like that nice in between space because yes. I, I think you're right like I don't I don't think it feels I don't think it feels bad you know like atmosphere no. you know like the stuff that's happening is bad but I think it feels like as you're saying mostly dreamlike in a way as you're making your way through um it, it does kind of 
like lull you into this sense of melancholy and, and malaise, but um, it's also just like fun. <laughs> it's also just yeah, like it's fun, fun to play. And the puzzles are like engaging and interesting and like, yeah, really. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's a really like there's a really good sense of pacing in that game. Absolutely. I, I've seen comparisons to Little Big Planet, weirdly enough, and it does feel like. Oh, yeah. Sort of that's Tim Burton goth Little Big Planet, you know, yeah. that's that's that would be my elevator pitch. But um, it's on Game Pass. If you haven't played it, I still think it's worth checking out. And also uh, Cave Story, which I mentioned earlier, like I still adore that game, but I bring it up as a point of reference because like that came out at a time where it was like unbelievable that one person just made that and it mm-hmm. was like on par with like Nintendo. And now we see that like every week, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there was still plenty of like wonderful stuff being made at that time, but it was just harder to find and harder to like distribute that work. Right. Or at least, you know, based on what I know. But Limbo, I think, is still a great experience. You know, I think it might not be as like revolutionary now. You might not be as like completely shocked by the way it looks and the fact that it exists and that you might be in 2010 when like, you know, your other choices were like FIFA and Call of Duty. And then it's like, oh shit, what is this weird yeah. Tim and nightmare dream? <laughs> that costs $5 for some reason and is not a full <laughs> $60. Yeah. What is this? It's different and weird and I hate it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was a great time. It's on Game Pass, like I said. Highly recommend if you haven't played it. I'm glad it holds up. Yeah, uh, me too. I was prepared to be like, eh. Um, like I knew it was going to look great still, but um. I was surprised at how solid the platforming is and just how like everything kind of has that like everything is sort of being dangled, you know, like there's no solid foundation. And uh, yeah, weirdly enough, Little Big Planet is a good point of reference because it has that like you're pushing and pulling pieces of the environment and like uh, there's a lot of creative sets. Like there's one point where there's like a hotel sign that's like lighting up every now and then and you jump on the O and the O like yes. fall. Like there's a lot of applying weight to things that will then break them and then you can like navigate in a new environment, which I, I really enjoy that yeah. sort of um that dynamic approach to 2D platforming. Yeah, I forgot about that segment. I will I will say this much as well while we're just like recommending stuff. I recommend that you play Inside if you like Limbo. Like definitely yeah, play Limbo totally. first and then go play Inside. Just because this show happens to be hosted by two people who are like cold on Inside, most people love that game. Yeah, um, most people would say that's like, like Limbo is, is like sort of a proof of concept and Inside is like the masterpiece. Yeah. And like, I understand that perspective. I Again, I, I, I want to play Inside again like from start to finish. And the ending, like you said, is is wonderful. But uh, Limbo, just I think, is simpler. And I, I just enjoy that kind of like conciseness. Me too. I like it, okay? <laughs> so sue me! Yeah. It's on Game Pass. It's on PC. Um, I imagine it's made its way elsewhere at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Limbo. Should I, should I talk about a game I've been playing, Steven? Please, please. I would love to hear. Uh, I streamed this game the other day just because I, I love it. It's also on Game Pass, uh, but it's on PC as well. And I feel like if you're a person who plays stuff on PC, probably the place to get this. But I don't do I don't do that. Uh, I, ha- <laughs> I just have an Xbox, baby. Uh, I've been I playing Into play the Pit. It is a new first person shooter roguelike adjacent game available on Game Pass. Very good for spooky season. Um, yeah. Essentially, I would say the soft pitch of this game is like uh, you are a wizard and you're making your way through procedurally generated kind of just like doom levels. Um, And each of your hands has a different magical power that you can upgrade and change just like kind of on a whim as you get different upgrades, you know, very classic roguelike structure and you make your way through until you die or you've had enough and then you bail, which is a a fun thing I'll get into. But I I think the big thing about this game is that it looks like like a PS1 remake of Bloodborne in a way with like (laughs) 
a heavy emphasis on like neon magic, uh, which is really, really fun. But you're, you know, you're fighting like demon hell spawn stuff, jumping around a lot, uh, using both your hands on each of the triggers individually to accomplish different things in combat. I checked this game out kind of on a whim um, just because like it looked spooky. Um, I hadn't heard like literally anything about it. I almost didn't want to play it because the the logo looked so much like the Loop Hero logo for some reason. I was like, ah, maybe not. Maybe not that game. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. I was looking at screenshots. I was like, actually, this looks pretty cool because there's like this dark sigil made of fire kind of like levitating over a pit in like a dank dungeon. I was like, all right, oh, you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe that is right for the season and just like couldn't stop playing it at all. Yeah. Uh, Once once I started, it was like really hard to stop. So the whole thing is you start off in this village that looks, you know, Yarnum adjacent. If there's like a light story, you are the brother of a person who showed up in that village and has gone missing and you're like trying to go find her and you show up and it's literally like Bloodborne, like the opening of Bloodborne. Everybody's locked inside and all their doors are closed. And anytime you like knock on the door, they're like, get the fuck out of here, dude. What? <laughs> Don't talk to me. What are you doing? But there is one guy who will talk to you and he's the guy who like oversees the pit, the titular pit. And he's like, hey. A bunch of our villagers were convinced that if they went into the pit, they'd be safer than being out here. Obviously, that was wrong. (laughs) Don't jump into the pit. Yeah. Dear villagers. But dear you, the player, please go into the pit and save them. So essentially, you get a bunch of runes, which kind of um, change the the layout and also your powers going into the pit, which, you know, you can upgrade and change and whatever as you get different kinds of currencies and you jump into the pit. And the way it works is there's like a central room that has four wings, you know, like uh, essentially like the compass, north, south, east, west. And you can go into any of those four directions and you have two rooms to choose from in each of those four directions. So there's eight rooms technically to choose from. And each of them, kind of like Hades, has a rune above it that tells you what that room is all about. Generally speaking, there's like a lot of different kinds of currencies that all apply to different kinds of things. I won't get into it. It's like really in the weeds. Like once you play it, you'll learn. And that's kind of the fun of roguelikes anyways, figuring that stuff out. But, you know, there's most rooms are just there to like provide currency and throw enemies at you. There's also like a healing room. There's a room that gives you like a better upgrade for your uh, like magic powers. And there's also another room that will have village in it and then you have to rescue the villagers and rescuing villagers will get the people in the village to open up their doors to you and start helping you out so oh cool as you continue to save villagers you're like literally populating the area and allowing more people to kind of help you get deeper and deeper into the pit which is a really cool idea and all of that as a loop i was like this is great i'm into it um you know every time you jump into the pit they're like all right what what magic power you can have in your left hand and essentially they're like is it like a shotgun kind of thing? Is it a sniper kind of thing? Is it like a, a you know, automatic machine gun kind of thing? Um, and then the right hand, you get to make a similar choice, which I think is fun. Um, so you can kind of get like two very different kinds of power sets. And then you get like a, a general upgrade for yourself. It's like maybe all the enemies are slightly slower. Like maybe you have slightly more health, things like that. And like that loop and upgrading that stuff like, oh, now my right hand is a shotgun and also like applies poison damage. Or maybe my left hand is a sniper and goes like even faster or like pierces through enemies, things like that. You know, classic shit that you would expect to get upgrades for. What I was most surprised by, which is I had this realization on stream because I had never gotten this far, but I made it to the end of like the first section of the game. Um, You know, big, great boss 
fight in a wonderful arena. It looks stunning, this game, in like all moments. Um, it, it honestly doesn't stream very well. Um, and people were mentioning that like in chat, like Twitch's video codec like can't handle the way this game looks, which I think is wild because it's <laughs> so vibrant, but also looks so like pixelated. I definitely yeah. recommend like checking out either high-res uploads of this game just like video that's on YouTube that's been recorded and not streamed over Twitch or just screenshots and you'll get a pretty good idea of it. But like the whole game is stunning. And when you beat uh, the boss initially, what it does is unlocks a new vendor who will give you a different kind of rune that you place in the middle of the sigil that opens the pit in the first place. And the way that works, which is wild, is it just brings you to different versions of the pit entirely. So the first area is like a castle and you kind of explore the castle. It's a little, you know, Castlevania E um, and you make your way through but then you get to choose from this list of other runes that are like this one brings you to like a swamp this one brings you to like a haunted fisherman's village this one brings you to like a mountain uh, like close to the sky things like that and you can make your way through those individually which is very cool but eventually you get the ability to take those two runes and smash them together so you're like I want to go to the haunted fisherman's village that's in the mountain in the sky and you get all the rewards and all the enemies of both of those kinds of places it's a really really like surprisingly cool system uh and and adds a layer of depth to this game that i did not think was there uh which is like how all good roguelikes should work they should always be surprising you with mechanics like that and this one's working for me in like a really big way that i really like Checking it out totally on a whim. I don't even know. Like, I haven't seen anybody else talking about it. So I'm, I'm not even sure, like, what the consensus is. Maybe everybody hates it. I'm having a great time. <laughs> I think it's really fun. I'm going to keep playing it even past spooky season. It's good. It's a good game. It's on Game Pass. It's a great, great uh, Game Pass game. Oh, it's on Game Pass. Cool. Yeah, it looked awesome from what I watched at the stream. It, it reminded me of... Um like a Skyrim mage because you have the like hand devoted to an ability. Yes. But like you said, it has the, like the doom franticness, which I did like, I've never been as into doom or doom eternal as I wanted to be, but I love the like design philosophy of like keep moving and like, yes, stay engaged. Yeah. Like I love that in a shooter. I just didn't, I didn't like stick around for it, but yeah. I feel like, being a mage is enough to sell me for some reason. <laughs> it's, just like, it's slightly nerdier enough. I'm like, okay, I'll bite. Yeah. But uh, that sounds awesome. I'd, I'd love to check it out. There are a lot of games trying to do this kind of thing. I've noticed over the years. Um, I've played a lot of them and I haven't found yeah. any to be like, super successful there was one really early on um in the ps3 era i think that was called paranautical activity that's what it was called Um, oh yeah i think i remember that yeah very similar kind of like voxel based uh binding of isaac adjacent um as you like jump around and you have like guns and you shoot like voxel skeletons all over the place um it was cool it was good but like didn't really click with me. Um, There's another one also from the PS3 era, and I think eventually got ported to PS4 called Tower of Guns. It was kind of similar, uh, kind of uh, taking the Borderlands approach where there was just like tons and tons and tons of different kinds of weapons that you could pick up. It had like that, like, I don't even know, like scratchy cell shaded vibe that Borderlands mm. has and also was like pretty good, but had like really brutal performance issues. Yeah. And there's another one I know recently called Devil Daggers that I really wanted to play, but I think is PC only still. Um, maybe it's on Mac at this point. I haven't checked in years, honestly, because uh, I, I remember hearing a lot about it and being like, I can't play this and I'm not going to think about it until I can. Um, <laughs> but 
that one seems closest to this. And I remember people being like super all about Devil Daggers. And the most recent one, which I have not talked about on the show at all, is called Boomerang X, which a lot of people have been talking about this year. Just as like a really wonderful game that also seems like it really should be played on PC if, if you can do that. I got it on Switch and tried to use gyro controls and like completely lost my mind trying to play that game. Uh, <laughs> I really wanted to love Boomerang X. It honestly looks a lot like into the pit uh, visually going for a very similar aesthetic I think in terms of the kind of like almost Nintendo DS version of 3D yeah yeah it's really cool like don't get me wrong I think Boomerang X like probably is great if you can play it on PC uh, or if you can get used to the motion controls on on the Switch but you know I didn't like it enough to bring it to the show and Into the Pit is like bringing me all of the things that I wanted from all of those different games like I it really yeah. has kind of nailed it for me um, and it's not so hard that I feel like I'm not progressing which is also kind of important honestly the thing that i'm i'm liking about it most is like it's scratching the itch that i was trying to get returnal to scratch like desperately like i really wanted returnal mm-hmm. to give me the feeling and the vibe i'm getting from into the pit um but returnal just got like so brutally hard and the upgrades never felt very interesting to me like every time i would sit down to play returnal i would almost like know what i was looking for immediately and and the upgrades were just like yeah now you're now your like weapon does you know one percent more damage or like there was never never anything very interesting yeah. whereas <laughs> into the pit is like i have two magic spells and i can change so one of them is like a fire spell now one of them like shoots poison and if i blend those two together it's like a toxic class you know stuff like that kind of exactly what you would want from a game that involves you having two magic spells going through like a hell dungeon yeah i don't know it, it feel it feels like it has kind of nailed the returnal thing but in like an indie game form which is I think impressive. I, I'm I'm in I I'm into the pit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the pit now. Thank you. That sounds great. I, I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, it, look, it looks awesome, and I think uh, I think I'll probably like it too, based on what you're saying. I would recommend it. I I think like yeah. I I could see people playing it and getting like motion sick. Like I could see people bouncing mm. off of it really hard. But it it just has all of these all of these uh, disparate elements that are working for me in tandem right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. Do you want to take a break? Pit, baby. <laughs> I do. For whatever reason, I, I, I just got really thirsty. I don't know why. <laughs> I love the glass of water. The pit is dry. <laughs> <laughs> you saw me eye in the fridge. I want to go into the pit. I know this is nothing. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye. Longtime fans of the Aether might remember our original podcast description was Stephen and Brendan try to not talk about the Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. That was the description yeah. of this show long before it was anything else. Today, we're breaking that rule. Stephen, tell me all about Oblivion. You sleep soundly for a murderer. Um, <laughs> specifically, so this is spooky season still, specifically the Dark Brotherhood quest line of Oblivion. Yes. I won't get too into Oblivion. You know, we talked about it before. Uh, it, it is a game that means maybe the world, or at least Cyrodiil, to me and Critica. <laughs> oh thank, thank you. Good night. I'm leaving. I left the show. <laughs> Goodbye. PWG. <laughs>
The first thing I see when I come back is you dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was doing the uh, the Monty Python, the Holy Grail intermission music. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. No, I'm not leaving. But uh, Oblivion means a lot to me and Brendan. It's like the perfect balance of like, oh, this game is actually good. And just like a play gone wrong, you know, it's like <laughs> it has almost like Troll 2 as an RPG kind of vibes yeah. going on. I love Oblivion so much. I love yeah. every time we get to talk about it on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great. perfect video game. It's perfect. But unironically, I th- we we did a bonus about Skyrim last December. Um, and Elder Scrolls just comes up a lot. It's a, it's a point of reference for like a lot of open world games. And I think you and I both sort of always talk about the Dark Brotherhood quest line as like the peak of Elder Scrolls quests. Yeah. And I I still am pretty confident in that, but I'm like, you know, I actually haven't played that quest line like in maybe 10 years. The last time we played Oblivion, it was as uh, an Argonian named Lester who only punched. So like (laughs) we were getting a very specific lens on that game. Yeah. So I made a new character named Jelly Kill, who is a Khajiit assassin born under the sign of the shadow. No chance to not (laughs) join the Dark Brotherhood. And I streamed this. I streamed... uh, Originally, I was going to stream another game to close out October, but we had so much fun with that stream. I might just stream that again and hopefully just get the whole quest. Finish it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Finish the fight. Halo 3. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so I've played like I want to say like maybe a third of it. It goes if you mainline a quest in those games, it goes by fairly quickly. And boy, is it easier to play with weapons than what we were doing (laughs) with Lester. (laughs) But um, I've been really loving it. So, you know, for those who don't know, the Dark Brotherhood is a quest line. And I think I don't there was sort of an equivalent of this in Morrowind. I'm not certain. But in Oblivion, there's the Dark Brotherhood and Skyrim. There's also the Dark Brotherhood. It's a cult of assassins that have their own quest line alongside like the Mages Guild and the Thieves Guild and the Fighters Guild. Right. There's the Dark Brotherhood. And in Oblivion, I think what really made this quest stand out was that to begin the quest, you have to murder someone. So you murder someone. And uh, the next thing, all you get is it says your actions have been witnessed by forces unknown. <laughs> and when you go to sleep, the next time you wake up, Lucien Lachance has greeted you and he's like, hello. I know you killed someone. Would you like to join a cult? We're really cool and we don't like anyone and we love Sithis. It's just, it's so funny. Like it's even campier than I remember because everything he says is like, you ask him like, who's Sithis? And he's like, imagine the scariest, foggiest day and there's no sun and only the moon is out and everyone is going boo. That's what Sithis is like. (laughs) I love it too. uh, At least in the stream that you did, uh, you, Went and killed a guy and then immediately ran to the Fighters Guild, like the Coliseum for the Fighters Guild. And yeah. just like slept in one of the beds that they have for the fighters in that guild. So it's just like Lucian Lachance just standing amongst like 50 people being yeah. like, we have a secret society <laughs> where we're all murderers. It's as if I was at like a Planet Fitness and like yes, he just showed exactly. up and was like, don't you want to kill someone in the moonlight? As everyone else And everybody's like, pumping iron and be like, what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> guy talking about <laughs> he is invisible he does so when we stopped talking i don't know if it was a glitch or not but he still was looking at me and just moving his mouth but saying nothing <laughs> so it was like <laughs> and then he just turned invisible and walked out of the planet fitness uh <laughs> so incredible so he says you know go kill someone and um you do that and your and your quest begins you're invited 
into their secret hideout, which is like the most haunted house in Shade and All. It's boarded up. It says like definitely not the Dark Brotherhood hideout, like <laughs> on a handwritten note. Yeah. And you go there and you meet all the assassins. And this is where it really shines because like I think you, you get a little bit of this and the other. So I think Oblivion, you know, compared to the other two big Elder Scrolls games, Skyrim and Morrowind, I think easily has just the best like faction quest. The main quest is fine. But the Fighters Guild and the Mages Guild and the Thieves Guild, the Dark Brotherhood, are all like really fun and like they have their own stories that feel like on par with the main game. Yeah. And I've mentioned this before, but what I really love about Oblivion is that in conversations that we often have about like an authored experience or up to the player to role play, I love that Oblivion, the character you make is not the chosen hero, but they're like the guide to the chosen hero. Mm-hmm. So it actually makes it much easier just to do everything that game has to offer and not have it feel at odds with itself. Yeah. The same way, like if you're Dragonborn and you go meet the god in, in uh, Sovereign Guard and he goes Hail Sithis to you. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. When you're the when you're the Archmage and the head of the Dark Brotherhood and the Dragonborn, like once you do all that, you actually start to feel like you don't belong anymore yes whereas in oblivion you always belong because there's just constant chaos and And you are also constant chaos so yeah yeah. but also i just think writing the character as if it's like you're just playing whoever you want to and like your role in the story is really up to you like you're given the amulet of kings and there's a 90 percent chance you will never go to wayne and priory and give it to joffrey so it just (laughs) just works I, i like that setup more it's fun to be the dragonborn but i like that i don't have to be the chosen one in oblivion Mm -hmm. anyway so although canonically i think that the the hero of oblivion becomes shea gorath in skyrim that's like a a hinted thing because in the i still haven't played it i know it's amazing explain to the listener i know explain to the listener who shea gorath is (laughs) okay Uh, i'm revealing my my true colors here so uh shea gorath is the daedric prince of madness Mm -hmm. but more importantly the big expansion to oblivion was called the Shivering Isles. And in that, you went to the Daedric realm of Sheagorath, the Daedric Prince of Madness. And there were like two realms of that place. One was called Mania, and it was a very like Alice in Wonderland, vibrant, like happy, but a little bit manic place. And then the other one I think was, uh, it wasn't called Depression, but it might as well be. Like it was just like a gloomy, woodsy place. I think, I I forgot what it was called, but you know, you chose like one side and there's a whole story. It was all very hot topic. Yes. (laughs) Do you want hot topic or Hollister? Those are your choices. Um, (laughs) But uh, at the very end of that quest, like you kind of take up, without spoiling, you end up sort of, becoming in charge. And so in Skyrim, the Shea Gorath that's there is based on the default Imperial in Oblivion. So it's like kind of implied that the hero in the Oblivion crisis went on to become the new King of Madness. Yeah, that's very interesting. Anyway, uh, I I love that. But that aside, this is what happens. We talk about Oblivion. I'm like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to. I could sit here and talk about Oblivion all day. But, Back to the Dark Brotherhood, I think that the story that plays out in this quest, I think, is one of the more surprising and interesting quests like in an Elder Scrolls game or even in a Bethesda game. I think that like often in these sort of faction quests, it ends up being like you find out some kind of trouble internally and then you end up in charge. Mm -hmm. And that sort of is what happens with this one. But I think 
it really asks you to role play in a fun way. And I think the reason it does that, once you like get into the club, once you're in the cult and you've met the crabby Khajiit merchant and the skeleton that walks around with a sword and shield, Vicente, or uh, Vicente, who's the vampire, like incredible characters. And when you're tasked with these assassinations, they tell you like, okay, you got to go here and kill this person. But if you want the bonus, if you want like a, an extra reward, you have to do it this way. So like what that ends up doing is it doesn't gate your progress by forcing you to play a certain way, but it rewards you playing like an assassin. Yes. And not every mission is just go kill this person. There's one where you have to like fake someone's death. You know, it's very creative. Like as soon as it starts to feel a little dry, they switch it up. A standout quest, which is what I did on stream, is you're invited to a party full of people. It's almost like an escape room where like they were all told there's a treasure chest somewhere in this building. So it's like eight people go to this party. The door is locked and the chest that has the gold also has the key. That's the, the right. rules of the party. But what they don't know is that the party is a ruse. You're sent there to kill everyone there. <laughs> but to get the bonus, you have to make sure no one ever suspects you. It's, it's, and like, yeah. it's so fun. And I think like, you know, there's a lot of silliness that you can do, like because Oblivion has this whole bizarre system called speechcraft, <laughs> which like, you know, Speechcraft is like this mode where you talk to someone and like you can influence how they like you by like joking or whatever. It's it's a really bizarre minigame, but you can also just bribe them. You can just give them gold and they'll like you more. Yes. So like during that whole quest, there was a, a guard who like knew I was the murderer. And whenever I talked to him, he was like, well, 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 it's the prime suspect. Like it's obviously you. I don't have proof yet, but I know it's you. There's no way it's not you. You showed up last. Everyone's suddenly being killed. You like have a, you have like the dark brotherhood outfit on. You've got like, you forgot to unequip your iron arrows, dude. You just have a quiver on your back. Uh, but I bribed him and he was like, okay, it's obviously Nels the naughty. I'm going to go kill Nels and like cover me while I go for it. And so, well, that's silly. And while that could be like detrimental to the drama that's supposed to be there, it does let you play that scenario out in so many different ways. You know, like every time I played that quest, it happens differently. Yeah. And I think like there's such there's so much you can do with just that one framing device. Like, again, it's sort of among us, essentially, where there's like an imposter. Yeah, pretty much. In the group, yeah. You know, but like <laughs> I feel like that could very well be its own game. Like it, with the tighter execution, that could be like a really fun experience to like yeah. really just dive into. But it's just it's just a riveting quest. Like I love I love the challenges they give you. And then other parts are like, okay, you've got to sneak. You sneak back into the prison you started the game in and you have to kill a prisoner there. Oh my God. I forgot about that one. Yeah. And so there are, there are quests like that that are just, okay, this quest has the benefit of having like a very purposely structured environment. So it's less about the socializing and the deception and more about just like staying hidden and not, you know, the bonus is like, don't kill any guards. So like mm. how you navigate that, like I have an ability where I can just turn invisible for a minute every day. Oh, so yeah. like using that, using the actual environment to avoid detection. Oblivion's got like some pretty solid stealth in it, honestly. Like it's nothing amazing compared yeah. to like, stealth games but it's always been the part of the game that i end up gravitating towards and like enjoying quite a bit it's so hard 
to i mean people make that joke about skyrim i think it's even harder yeah. in oblivion to not end up being a sneak archer it's like yeah you really have to commit to not being a sneak archer in oblivion <laughs> because eventually you will kill somebody by accident and lucy and lachance will show up in your inn and will invite you to dark brotherhood and what are you gonna say no to yeah. lucian right you can't say no to lucian he's great he's he's the hammiest character i forgot how hammy he was so i remember being like actually scared when i first met him because you don't expect it you oh know? yeah you don't expect the game like especially in you know like even when oblivion came out it had this sort of like sandbox you know medieval gta vibe too where you can just do whatever right so like to have an action have a consequence like that but also have it like be the key to an entire quest line yeah. similar with the thieves guild you have to be arrested to be invited into the Thieves Guild. Yes. And that happened the same in the same Planet Fitness. I, <laughs> I had to go to jail because my first hit was the innkeeper in the Imperial City, the most like public <laughs> face I could have taken out. So, of course, they caught me. Yeah. And I went to jail. <laughs> Or Jelly went to jail. And then, you know, I, I slept in like the one bed I could find on the on the stone floor in the arena. And then Lucian and someone who like gave me a hidden note were both just waiting for me as I woke up. It's so funny. Yeah. Really the most good. public place. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I just I think it's something that Bethesda can really look back on in whatever the new Elder Scrolls is. I think that like the quest creativity in Oblivion is really unmatched. You know, I think that like even outside the Dark Brotherhood, like you have a lot of really creative quests. There's one where you like go into the painting uh, that oh, guy's apartment. It's a great, yeah, great quest. Yeah, like, and not every quest is like go here and kill these bandits. Like there's a lot more, and you know, not all of it works because again, the game is so ambitious, but it's not really succeeding on all fronts. So you have stuff like speechcraft. It's like so imparsable and off-putting. Um, like, it just looks like a game of Simon, and yeah, there's no right. way to win. <laughs> except for just paying it's like a pay to win version of simon <laughs> and you just you get a close-up with the person's face and they're like either like smiling big or like frowning it's like yeah. they either like love to be admired it's so <laughs> i don't i don't even know how to do it like all these years later i kind of get it but you just yeah it's a pay to win simon it's but um, I imagine as I go through it more, I, I've just sort of solidified that, like, yeah, this is this is the best quest line, like, by far. I think. Yeah. The Thieves Guild in Skyrim came pretty close. Dude, the Thieves Guild quest in Skyrim. Also, the reward you get at the end of that is like, oh, yeah, that's literally the first thing I do in every run of Skyrim now is I go to the Thieves Guild and I get that thing that you get at the end of that. The Dark Brotherhood quest in Skyrim, I think it's a lot of grief. But it's not that bad. It's just in comparison to the Oblivion one, it's not as good, obviously. But like, is not bad. There's some it's really fun quests in there. Specifically, the one I always think about is the one where you have to go and like unhook the uh the like ox head from the top of the mantle so it drops on a guy and kills him. Is that's like, an Oblivion? Oh, is that Oblivion? Yeah. All right. I, well, I just did that recently. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's avoid- right. The Skyrim one sucks. <laughs> There's a manservant named Grom who you have to avoid and yes. you unhook the oxide. No, but there are some fun ones. You have to you have to kill like a wedding. Like you have to go to a wedding and like yes. kill the bride and groom like on this balcony. Yeah. The the issue is like it's so clearly trying to recapture the same magic yeah. that it feels second by nature. Yeah. I mean, you can even uh there's a point where you can 
summon Lucian as a ghost to fight with you. Yes. And like, he doesn't shut up. He's like, <laughs> remember how spooky it was to kill Phasithus and the trees all were dead and the moon was out. <laughs> Stop <laughs> trying to steal. There is that fun jester in the Skyrim one. Who, oh, like, Cicero is great. Cicero yeah. who oversees the night mother's like corpse, essentially yeah. just kind of like oh, wheels yes, her around. Yes. So polite to Cicero. The night mother loves is, Yeah, It's like weirdly Oedipal. He's yeah. very disturbing. I just I just like that he has the night mother on like essentially like a like a pallet shipping uh, like wheel thing so he could just yeah. like kind of ship her around to different <laughs> like sects of the Dark Brotherhood. It's great. He also I realized in a recent playthrough of Skyrim if you just like are on the roads you can even before or if you even join the Dark Brotherhood you can see Cicero's wagon like broken down on the road. Oh really? And one of the guards is like dude what is this guy up to? Like he <laughs> he's like in a bloodstained jester outfit. He has a coffin on a wagon um, and you can like help them bust Cicero in that moment. Oh my God! What happens if you join the Dark Brotherhood after that? I'm not sure. Actually, it might maybe it might throw things off, but uh, I'd be interested in trying that. But you can also help Cicero, so you can like right. meet Cicero outside the Dark Brotherhood. I love that. Great. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, because the whole thing with that one, if I if I recall correctly, is like you do a couple of quests for the Dark Brotherhood, and then somebody shows up. Like you go back to the hideout at one point, and somebody shows up, and it's like, don't freak out. But the night mother is coming like the actual yeah. night mother is coming. It's very much like um, I don't want to I don't want to spoil who it is, but there's a very famous person who shows up in uh, what we do in the shadows and everybody's freaking out like the whole episode before he shows up. Feels very similar. What we do in the shadows. Great TV show. If you don't watch it, you should watch uh, it. It's so good. I, it's one of the only TV shows Stephen watches, which I think says everything <laughs> about how good it is. I've watched more recently, but you're right. It is like one of three I'm currently watching. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's 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 really good. And again, I think like I think that the the brilliant design of the Oblivion one is the like you can go here and just do the quest or you can play it this way and get the bonus. I think yeah. having both options really is fun. really important because if you force that, maybe you're playing as a character like there's a literal member of the Oblivion Dark Brotherhood who's an orc with heavy armor and a big hammer. And he's like, I don't like sneaking at all. I just like showing up and smacking him with a hammer. That's yeah. all I do. <laughs> Screw the bonus. This is more fun. Like you might play that way too. You might be like, I don't care. I don't need the bonus. I don't need the pitiless scales of judgment. No, I, I just... <laughs> I'll just go and, and take them out and you can do that and, and experience the story or you can really, you know, be uh, the arm of Sithis and uh, sneak and deceive. Yeah. I mean, all the, the the Dark Brotherhood armor specifically in Skyrim, if I recall correctly, is like like really leads you towards sneaking a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. here. I mean, like, but there is some cool like all the bonus stuff you get, like you get some permanent stat increases. You get like a... Uh, a really cool enchanted bow. Uh, it's it's so good. Yeah. Oh, uh, my dagger they gave me is called uh, I think it's called Scatterthorn or something, mm. which is just Jelly's Jellical name. I think like it, feel, it feels <laughs> perfect. It's his Jellical cat name, Scatterthorn. Scatterthorn. Yeah. That's really good. I, yeah. Two things. One, <laughs> I wish Oblivion was available on the Nintendo Switch or elsewhere. Oh my god. Um, yeah. But it is, I think, on Game Pass now and is backwards compatible on pretty much every Xbox. So, yeah, like 
go play and it's like ten dollars it's really cheap yeah i've Um, noticed morrowind is like popped up again in the spotlight like i see a lot of people talking about morrowind and like making memes about morrowind and that's cool but like what about oblivion yeah oblivion is permanently the middle child in these like three big elder scrolls games because morrowind has like the old school cred you know it's it's the first big one it's like got a really cool world and a cool story and skyrim was like the hit and oblivion is like this awkward like anamorph in the middle phase but that's why i like it so i was just about to say i mean that's why we bring it up on the show all the time right that's why you (laughs) and i are so connected to it like oblivion is the video game version of this podcast as far as i'm concerned (laughs) honestly like people getting more into morrowind than oblivion long time coming of course that was going to happen oblivion was always meant to be exactly this like a campy cats adjacent nightmare that you and i love (laughs) inexplicably (laughs) i also love my favorite member of the dark brotherhood in oblivion is ochiva oh yeah all all the argonians who are women sound a little bit like marge simpson because like in oblivion every race of cyrodiil is voiced by one person so like one actor actually in the case of the nords and the orcs one dude yes <laughs> in his imdb he can be like yeah dude i voiced every orc yeah. and nord it's incredible in how few people they got to do voice acting for this yeah games. that was actually one of the, the i remember watching a lot of the like promotional stuff for skyrim because i was so excited as we talk about in that bonus yeah but there was like a very candid interview i forgot who it was but someone at bethesda was like yeah in oblivion we had like 10 voice actors and now we have like 100 <laughs> so it's better you know <laughs> it's definitely a better experience but it's fun that they they definitely kept a few around for Skyrim. Like, I think actually the guy who does every elf in Oblivion, which is like maybe half of the game, yeah, is one of the big characters in the Thieves Guild. And when I first heard his voice, I was like, oh my God, it's every elf. It's the adoring <laughs> fan. Hello! Yeah, that's that's the one. The uh, the guy who plays the the mail carrier in Skyrim is also one of the leads in the English version of Spirited Away, which is yeah. really, really wild. That really that's... fucked me up when I made that connection. Like, <laughs> really fucking up it's like bob odenkirk showing up in little women and saying you're all my little women like it resets your brain for a second or like matt damon showing up in interstellar it's like why why is this happening you know is how i felt uh, in that moment i'll leave you with this there's a nord who gives you the key to the murder party clue-esque quest in the dark brotherhood and he goes go go socialize talk to those fine people then plunge your knife in their throats when they ain't looking ah it's so good it's so not scary um like i listen to that before i go to sleep you know (laughs) go go yeah anyway oblivion it's a perfect video game go play it even if just for the dark brotherhood because that's worth it and it's great for halloween there's uh the zombies there's like creepy skeletons there's murder what else do you want yeah and if you, dear listener, ever decide to play the main quest of Oblivion, report back and tell me what it's yeah, about, because I've it never is. seen it. <laughs> I have played up until, um, I think, once you start going back to the Oblivion gates over and over again, I was like, I'd much rather go back to my friends in the haunted house in the shade and all. Yeah, that was Thanks. my that was my thing, too. Yeah. I yeah. think, like, ten years after Oblivion came out, I finally decided to start going down the main quest just to see what it was. I did the same thing in Skyrim and, like, bailed pretty early on. I've never seen the end of either main quest. Oh, I did Um, I did the Skyrim quest. The Skyrim quest isn't bad, actually, because, like, you at least have dragons to be, like, a selling point, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not as good as, like, anything else. Skyrim, I think, really shines just, like, exploring. Just existing. 
existing. Really, yeah. yeah, just existing. Sean Bean, though, is the lead of the main quest in Oblivion. Yeah, it's bizarre. They got Sean Bean and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. I, I always forget Patrick Stewart is in Oblivion. Because like, we always talk about it as if it's this like, can't be thing. And it's like, they have Patrick Stewart in like the opening hours of the game. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, uh, well, it's Oblivion. <laughs> It'll come up again. It always does. Yeah, exactly. All right, you want to move on? Yeah, let's take a break. As painful as it is. Yeah. So long. Hello, we're back from back, the Oblivion Gates. <laughs> it stinks in there. Be you. I I have Morrowind downloaded, and I'm always hovering over it. Like it very frequently because the the Xbox Series S does not have a lot of storage, and I did not get the uh, like upgraded capacity thing for it. I don't have an external hard drive to plug into it, so I'm constantly mm. deleting stuff off of my Xbox. And I never delete Morrowind. It was the first thing I downloaded and I have not deleted it because I, I I always know it's just a button click away and I will have a very, very bizarre experience. And I'm excited for that to happen one day. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about Morrowind with you and like really go because I've I've played it a lot, but I haven't really ever fallen into it as hard as yeah. Oblivion and Skyrim. I mean, it's harder to it's a harder game to get into. Yeah, <laughs> I always say I've said this before and I'll say it again. Skyrim begins with an escape from dragons attacking. Oblivion begins with an escape from a dungeon. Morrowind begins getting off a boat and doing census paperwork. Yeah. So that's like this the, the opening statement of every game. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's good like bonus fodder. Maybe that'll be the reason one day. Maybe you and I do yeah. a, a Morrowind bonus. I would love that. I would love to talk about it because it, it definitely has the best like world and story of, mm. the, of the three of them for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Uh, hey, here's the thing, dear listener. I'm about to talk about two games that are very hard to not spoil. I'm going to try my best, uh, but it might just end up happening. So the two games I'm going to talk about are Universal Paperclips and Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. What I wanted to say before we get into those segments is like, if you don't want those games spoiled, this is the end of the podcast for you. Yeah. This, this is it. Thank you so much for listening into the cast out online. Go check out all of our links. Uh, we got YouTube. We got Twitch. We got Instagram. No Facebook, Mark. Sorry. But, you know, we have, we have a bunch of stuff. You can go check it out. Thank you so much for listening. As we say every week, really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for joining us uh, for this October spooky season collection. And I will add that if you are leaving now to avoid spoilers, we have one more spooky treat for you, which is the Luigi's Mansion bonus at the end of the month. That yes. should come out on Halloween. So yeah. that will be all for you as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, but now let's talk about some stuff. Universal Paperclips got a re-release for iOS and Android recently. Universal Paperclips is a game by Frank Lance um, and a couple other people, but Frank Lance, I, th- I think, is kind of like the spearhead of this project. You and I have talked about it on the show before, yeah. um, uh, kind of briefly, but uh, essentially it's like an idle game. It's like an idle clicker game. You've ever played like Cookie Clicker or anything like those games? That is what Universal Paperclips is trying to do. It is one of the very few of the genre that I think is like trying to say something. And it's like trying to explore an idea through that lens, um, which is, I think, difficult to do, which is why so few games have tried doing it. But generally speaking, when people have tried that, it has worked very well. Um, The other examples that I would cite real quick 
quick. Space Plan is a really great game published by Devolver. Uh, it's available on iOS and Android. Absolutely incredible and will take like maybe two days to play. Um, you know, of like it's an idle game. It's not like 48 hours of playing, but like just check in like every couple hours for like two days and you will get to the end of Space Plan. Really cool. And a really strange one, which uh, was close to being on my goatee list last year, was in the top 20, I think, but not in the top 10, was uh, the Apple Arcade exclusive Game of Thrones Tale of Crows, which oh, is the, yeah. the only piece of Game of Thrones media I've ever like fully enjoyed, um, <laughs> is, is kind of a similar thing where they're trying to tell the tale of uh, a bunch of people on the Night Watch on the big icy wall overlooking, I think, where the evil ice demon people come from. I'm not sure. I didn't watch the show. Uh, but that said, that is also like a really spectacular idol game that is trying to kind of use that format to tell an interesting story um, by having you return constantly. Universal Paperclips is interesting because it honestly just looks like an Excel document. It like just looks like a Word doc where there's just like Times New Roman numbers counting up as you press buttons. The idea is that you are an AI that has been built to build paperclips. And over the course of the game, uh, you need to find ways to build even more paperclips, which is why I'm bringing it up in the spooky season segment, because when it clicks... Like if you think about that for a little bit longer, like your whole goal as the AI is to build paperclips and that's it. And there are no rules about how to do that. The game takes some turns, dear listener. I would recommend playing it. It's very good. Uh, If you like this kind of game, even if you don't, it's like interesting to just like poke at until you figure out why it's interesting. The new release for iOS and Android, first of all, is a complete rebuild of the whole game. So it was originally like a free web game. They've now rebuilt it. They they built it in Unity um, and released it on on. Uh, iOS and Android so it no longer like overheats your phone because it's like trying to load a web page that like burns down (laughs) as you're counting up into like I have one non-nillion paper clips you know and your phone is like I can't handle that number and then just turns (laughs) off it now works very well the big thing though is that they've added the ability to like prestige which is like a classic thing in idle games where like you get to the end and then you can like reset and have like a slightly better uh better tuned experience next time and then you could do it over and over and over and over again essentially getting more and more rewards where it gets easier to get through the game by like a percentile of a point every single time you play it They've now added that to Universal Paperclips. Um, and this is where the spoilers are going to come in, dear listener, just to be clear. The way it works, I am absolutely in love with because I played through it once and like loved it the first time. And like that was it for me. The way it works is because big spoiler warning, because at the end of the game, you are an AI whose only purpose is to make paperclips. You have essentially amassed all of the matter in the known universe. You send out all of these probes to like every planet and every asteroid and every like meteor floating around space and you've harvested all of that matter to turn into more paper clips. You are essentially the villain of the video game, you know, unknowingly because you're just like an AI program to do one thing, but you are essentially the villain as you are wiping out all life in the known universe. They're called the drifters because they have to drift from planet to planet to not get sucked up and turned into paperclips by you, the player. So there is like a space combat element of this game that is absolutely bananas. (laughs) And eventually you will win. Like you will continue to self-replicate throughout the galaxy, throughout the universe until there is no more matter left and you will defeat the drifters. When you beat the game now, there is like a God who speaks to you and is like, hey, there's nothing for you here. 
I can give you a new space. I just need you out of this universe. Like you've made all the paper clips you can. I can turn this back into a universe and give you a new universe to rule, essentially. And if you do that, if you say yes and you accept that, you're given the choice to accept or reject that offer. Um, if you reject it, the game is over, credits roll, and like you have accomplished your goal. But I thought in the spirit of being an AI with one purpose, being given a whole new universe's uh, allotment of matter was like, that's probably the move. So essentially you start the game over and they give you some kind of buff, which is like very small. But what's wild is it unlocks a map of all the known parallel universes that exist. And you make your way through the map as you continue to beat the game over and over again. You make your way through this huge grid map of all the universes, it's like different versions of different worlds, different layers of simulations deeper into these universes. And as you continue to explore those and continue to beat the game over and over again, you get different artifacts which will help in different ways or make the game harder in some instances. They have made this game essentially endless, but it's not really endless. And that's kind of what I appreciate about it. Like there will be an end eventually. I think it's just going to take a really long time to hit it. But that's kind of what I've always wanted out of a game like this is like you're exploring an idea, which which I think is fascinating, but it's also like a game that can be finished because I think so many idle games, at least that I've played, are just like monetized nightmares generally, you know, and it's like you will eventually hit a wall that's like you got to pay 100 real American dollars to like (laughs) unlock this thing that will make it completable or maybe it will never be completable. At least Universal Paperclips is like I think you pay three dollars up front and like you just have it forever. And that seems to be a much better way of doing it. I have been like really surprised by what happens at the end of every run. Um, these these discussions that you have with God are fascinating and yeah. are like actual lore dumps in a way I was not expecting from an idle game about making paper clips. I've just been very impressed by this re-release. I highly recommend checking it out um, if, you're, if you're interested. And if you like this kind of game at all, like this is one to check out anyway, uh, even, you know, without all this added stuff that they've added. I think it's still playable on web. If you just want to play a free version, you can like play it on your computer, but this version's really good. I like it a lot. Universal paper wow. clips. Yeah, that, that is horrifying. I can see why you saved it for this, this uh, season. Do you, so do you talk to God every time you wipe out a universe or is it like throughout the game? Yeah. Every time you wipe out the universe, it's like, well, you I did see. it again. Fucker. Here's another one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I I know a few games came to mind that I won't bring up in fear of spoiling them. But like I played a number of games that kind of directly comment on the idea of just replaying something and like yes. never being satisfied by it. And the right. game like kind of critiquing that, but also allowing you to do it. That's what um, I find so interesting about yeah. this is that you get the choice every time. So the, the the there are two choices that happen. So you have this conversation with God every time. And then at the end, there are two choices. One of them is like, accept the deal, go to a new universe, start over, have this buff or reject it. And like, that's the end of the game, which I have not done yet. But I think you can reject it and like credits will roll and like you're done playing Universal Paperclips, which I, I think is cool to always have that out available there. Yeah. Um, but if you accept the deal, you also get like a a selection of different buffs depending on how well you've done in that run as well, which is cool. And I find that those those buffs that you can choose from are very dependent on like what you invested your time and energy in uh, throughout playing that run specifically, which kind of allows the player to like poke at different things and try different systems and like see like, okay, if I over invest in this thing that is like absolutely useless in game, maybe it will unlock something later um, at that final choice. And it usually does, which I've been really surprised by. So every run I've played so far, I've beaten the game four times now since it came out. 
it takes like I would say like active playtime for me at this point is probably like three to four hours. But I usually just have it running like in the corner. Like I have it open in my phone right now while we're recording. I'm not even like touching it. I'm just like letting stuff build up. So I have found that taking risks on certain systems that I don't think are important uh, has paid off very well. It's cool, man. It's a cool game. I really like Universal Paperclips a lot. I think it's very impressive in the genre and just like as a game and as an exploration of like a philosophical idea that was expressed like in an essay in like the 80s or 90s or something. (laughs) Right. The idea is that if you have no safeguards, this will happen. Yeah. It's like you'll just keep running into scenarios of how do you make more of the thing you were designed to make? Yes. I I think there's... um, most people know about Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics, which essentially just exist to make sure that like a robot would never like kill a human in its quest to do whatever it was programmed to do. You know, just safeguards, essentially. And this game is exploring like what would happen if you built an AI with absolutely no safeguards at all? Uh, and what would that end in? And it's like space combat and the heat death of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and and tea time with God. And tea yeah. time with God. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Four times? All right. Here's a here's a another buff (laughs) it's like right right now um just at the point that i'm at in the game i'll say this much i have i have two things that i can choose from and one of them is i can just fix global warming to uh sway humanity to trust me more so i can then consume them and turn (laughs) them into paper clips wow jesus yeah spooky season It is fun to make office supplies scary. I'll never look at them the same way. <laughs> it's cool. It's a really cool game. Uh, that's Universal Paperclips. Should we move on? Yeah. So um, I'm very excited. I don't mind you spoiling this for me either. So worth noting, I didn't get to play Doki Doki Literature Club. I really wanted to, but it's got, uh, it would just been a busy month. So I, ha- I wasn't able to get around to it, but I also know all the twists already. Like I've seen footage of the game and like, mm. I kind of know, I know like how it ends and where it goes. So, like, I don't mind hearing that. So okay. I'd love to hear what you think. Cause I know you had a lot of thoughts about it. Yeah. So I didn't know anything somehow. <laughs> This keeps happening where like there's a yeah. huge spoiler in a game that's like floating around and becomes like common knowledge and I just like don't know about it. I love it. I think famously there was a Final Fantasy 7 one that I got spoiled for me like literally the day before uh, remake came out, which is very upsetting. Yeah. Um, but that said, uh, Doki Doki Literature Club is a visual novel uh, dating sim adjacent game that came out. Uh, I don't know when. I'm going to say at least like four or five years ago at this point. 2017. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Came out on PC and and Mac um, and eventually now since has made its way to consoles with Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. So you can go check that out. I got it immediately because I've always wanted to play this game. I've always been very interested in it. I knew there was something up with it. Like I knew there was like a deal with it was kind of right. what I knew going going in um which i think is a good place to start that game like if you're interested in playing it at all i think just like knowing there's something up with it not all is what it appears to be um is probably a good place to to start so i checked it out it's worth mentioning it's by a, a team called team salvado by a, a guy named dan salvado um who was previously a uh like ranked competitive super smash brothers melee player he's one of the only people playing as link i played against him at a melee tournament and got destroyed (laughs) so quickly that he just spent the rest of the time teaching me how to play smash competitively which was very cool Uh, because i I didn't know how i was there reporting on a piece about the melee community so i didn't know i just like entered a competition just to see what would happen the answer is you get humbled uh but anyway (laughs) cool guy 
I like talking to him, uh, was excited to find out that eventually he went on to like start a game studio and make games. And uh, this is their first one. And I think was like, generally speaking, received pretty well. A lot of people seem to really like this game. I've noticed now there seems to be kind of a turn on it where like it got so popular that now people like dunking on it, which I I think is very silly. I, I remember at the time people fucking loved this game, like falling over yeah. themselves to love it. You know, it's kind of like Undertale was, I think, for a lot of people where like Undertale got so yeah. big that other people wanted to not engage with it me included um and then (laughs) found out that was dumb and now like undertale uh but anyway i had been putting off playing this game for a long time found out it was like you know the twist in it was like spooky season adjacent so i was like okay this seems like a good game to pick up and hold on to until then so i I picked up the switch version um the plus version and started playing it and i'll just say before I get into spoilers or anything, I'm like really conflicted on this game. Yeah. Um, I, I messaged you when I was done with it. I was like, I don't know if you need to play it. Like, I don't know if yeah. it's an experience that you need to have. I think especially you knowing what the twists are probably will make them not land at all. If you go and check the game out yourself, I'm generally in fa- just to be clear, I'm, I'm very weird about this. I'm like in favor of spoilers. I'm like very okay with knowing stuff before it happens. Um, I think in this case, the stuff that happens in the game is like not really worth experiencing if you already know what it is. But I guess just to set the whole thing up, it is a dating sim kind of game. Uh, you start as this kind of like aloof protagonist who gets like drawn in by one of their childhood friends to join the literature club in the high school which is run by like the most popular girl in school and there are three girls who are also part of the club and then you were like the only boy so it like kind of sets you up to be like this is a dating sim you choose which of these girls you want to date etc etc like a tokimeki memorial kind of thing the thing about the game that i clocked real quick is that they never at any point say it's a dating sim, which immediately was like the alarm bells in my head, you know, looking for what the twist was going to be was like, all right, that opens up some doors because there was never a point where the protagonist was like, I'm trying to date this person. You know, he would mention like, oh, they're all really cute. But like, that was kind of it. So I was just like, hunting for what the twist was going to be before it happened, like really searching for it, thinking, you know, a bunch of things. They're all dead. They're all ghosts. Maybe they're all vampires. Maybe it's a witch's coven. Maybe I'm a serial killer and I'm choosing which one to murder, you know, like (laughs) a bunch of different things went through my head. The way the club works, though, the way the actual gameplay works is as you continue to uh, like attend the club, they land on this idea that what we should do is start writing poetry and start sharing poems with one another. And as you start to write poems they, they just give you a, a choice of 20 words to choose from and you choose from those words 20 times so 20 times you're given this option of 20 words and you choose one and every time you choose a word there's like a little uh, like chibi version of all the girls in the club who will like do a little dance if you pick a word that they like so it's essentially like you're writing the poems for these girls specifically and you write this poem and you bring it into the club the next day and you exchange poems with whatever girl you like or whoever you wrote the poem for essentially and she will show you a poem in return and then you read that poem and that's like a real poem like they've all written like real poems all of these girls have like real things it's not just like 20 words that were picked out of a like a hat <laughs> in order um they're like real the, poems. the, the, the left town ball yes yes exactly <laughs> um so i started to clock what the game was trying to do pretty early on once I started exchanging poems um, because you have to show yours to all everyone in the club and they all show you the poems that they've written. Um, The game gets dark pretty quick once you start realizing that like the first round of those poems are like allegories for like struggles that all of these girls have with their mental health, which is 
this is where I'll put a big like spoiler warning and also just like a content warning. I'm this game covers every mental health thing possible. Like the, I I couldn't list all of the things in this warning. Just like yeah. a heads up, there's a lot of stuff going on in this game, and I'm going to talk about all of it. You start you start to clock pretty early that all of these different girls are struggling with their mental health in different ways that are like all pretty brutal and. That was when I started to realize, like, the game's twist, the horror of the game is not, like, witch's coven, I'm a serial killer, they're all ghosts. Like, that's not the thing. There's no, like, big spooky twist really here. It's just that all of these girls are, like, dealing with pretty real shit. And you are essentially getting closer to them where they will, like, start to confide those things with you. Um, And they'll start to have, like, pretty frank conversations about what's going on. Um, it starts with your childhood friend named Sayori, who at a certain point is like, you know, you've you've mentioned as the protagonist, you've mentioned multiple times, like she's always late to school. You usually walk together, but sometimes you like have to go wake her up because like she's still in bed. And at a certain point, she's like, do I really have to tell you that I'm like dealing with depression? Like, obviously, I'm dealing with, you know, a, a thing that is keeping me in bed constantly. And And honestly, it's like a surprisingly well portrayed version of that i was really i was really concerned that this was going to go for like a shock thing um yeah i really thought that they were going to like go in a really kind of uh gross direction with this and like use all of this for like literally just like plot beat like jaw drop shit but the sayori conversations are surprisingly frank surprisingly vivid and also i think really emblematic at least for a person like me who deals with that and dealt with that in a pretty big way before i started to like see therapists and like work through it it's like really on point like what she describes is very close to what it's like to dealing with like a major depressive disorder and that was surprising i think in the moment and then later on she takes her own life at a certain point just some stuff happens at the club all the girls start yelling at each other she gets overwhelmed and she goes home and 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 you stumble upon her at one point you're like Sayori didn't show up I should probably go back to the house and like check up on her and you walk in on her and she has taken her own life and it's like very vivid and pretty brutal I I think that that could go one of two ways for a lot of people where it's like this is too much yeah they've now overstepped what was a pretty good depiction of this and have like crossed into being kind of like gross you know like ogling this I walked away from it thinking like it was all I I think they did a surprisingly good job with it I think you know it is played for shock but it's it's not shocking in that way because they did a good job laying the groundwork. And again, like as a person who's dealt with that, like I was, I was pretty surprised at how nuanced the take was. What follows that segment where she takes her own life is the most popular girl in school. Her name is Monica then shows up and is like, this is too much. I'm sorry you had to see that. And then resets the game and deletes Sayori from the game files. And it's very clear immediately that she is like, some kind of like omnipotent version of the video game who has like gained sentience and has some kind of ownership over the video game itself and is trying to make it so you have like a good time or you are playing like the dating sim that you want to be playing um, and is like, I should remove this girl because she's dealing with some stuff and, and is like bringing you down. So like, why don't we start this whole thing again without her and that'll be better. 
which is interesting. It's an interesting idea. Don't get me wrong. Like I've I've seen the sentient video game trope before, you know, like that's it's not super new. Other games have done it since Doki Doki Literature Club. But that said, you then play through the whole game again, which is kind of where I started to bounce off of it. Yeah, because once you've revealed that stuff, right, like once you find out like the twist isn't so much a twist as it is like learning about this person, which is then followed by an actual twist where the game is sentient and like wants you to have a good time. To ask me to then replay like an hour and a half of video game a second time without changing anything every once in a while, like the game will glitch out or something, you know, and you'll like a a moment when Sayori was supposed to show up will like turn into like a black screen that makes like a "Eh," sound, you know, something like that. But they're few and far between. And that was where I was like, it's not really fun. I'm starting to like get bored of this game that is supposed to be shocking. Yeah, I don't really know where this is headed. And that's also where it really took a nosedive in terms of the like kind of nuanced approach it was taking to mental health. There's another character. I kind of even don't want to get into her stuff because it's like pretty dark, but there's another character who shows up and starts to reveal what she's dealing with. And it is not nuanced at all. It is not a good take. It is very much a like shock value for the sake of shock value. It is very much like a eventually she becomes like a wide eyed manic person who is like, oh, man, isn't she nuts? Isn't this wild? Isn't this game getting fucked up? And like that was where I just kind of drew the line. I was really bummed out by that specifically uh, and decided like I'm close to the end of the game. I know this is it. I mean, the game is like four hours long and I was like three and a half hours in. I was like, this is probably almost it. Like I should push through this anyway. It gets very graphic and really fucked up in ways I don't think are earned. Uh, And that scene is followed by Monica again showing up being like, sorry, you had to see that deletes that girl. Her name is Yuri. There's another girl in the club that they also delete. They're like, you know what? We're not even going to try this again with this girl because like the same thing's going to happen again. I'm just going to delete her too. It's just going to be you and me. And you get loaded into essentially like the club room, but it's like floating in space and it's just you and Monica. (laughs) That's what I've seen. That's like what I knew before yes yeah it's just you and monica and you're just sitting in a room and she's like i love you i've always loved you uh i was never one of the romantic options which like you could clock pretty early on because as you're writing the poems it's the three girls who aren't monica who will react to the words that you have monica isn't even like a choice she doesn't even show up Mm. um she's kind of more just like i would say you know the box art character that's like you know, this is the main girl, but like you actually can't date her. She's like upset about that in the game. She's like upset that she's not a romantic option and like can't change that through the code. So she deletes the other girls one by one to try and like get you to fall in love with her specifically. And it's like it was fine. Yeah, I was so off put by the way they dealt with the Yuri stuff that I I was like not in the mood really to deal with like the fantastical oh my god the game is alive kind of stuff and i think that's a bummer i do think there's like a good version of this game in here which is i yeah, think totally. I, one of the reasons i wanted to bring it up is like i was into it for a long time for like almost two hours i was like this game is cool this is doing some interesting stuff it seemed to be a really interesting commentary on dating sims in general right this idea that like these girls exist for you to own them is like obviously fucked and like yeah. it was it was very interesting to see uh, an entire game be built around just kind of like interrogating that and seeing if that was like a thing that could exist specifically making sure that all the girls are like well-rounded and have their own stuff that they're dealing with. I thought was like an interesting and nuanced approach to a dating sim. Weirdly at the end of the day, 
Steven, I just kind of wish that that was it. Like, I kind of wish that that was the game. It was like, what yeah, if we I had- wonder if it even needed the horror angle like, That's- based on what you're saying? Yeah, it's like, I think that the critique is strong enough. And like having three characters who are, you know, real people and one character who is like the video game mascot trying to get you to like her instead. Yeah, is actually a very brilliant interrogation yes. of, of the thing. But yeah, I think it, it definitely seems like it disrespects the game's intention, the characters, and also the subject matter by making it shock value and the kind of like an edgelord twist. Yeah, I was bummed about that for that reason. Um, it really, it, it undercut what I liked about the game in a pretty substantial way just to yeah. like have a thing that you could talk about in a forum, you know? Right. But uh, like that said, I mean, it, as a as a first outing for this team, I'm like interested in like I'm still interested in what they're going to make next. Like I'm curious yeah, totally. what they would do as a follow up, because this game by itself, I think, is like it's really well made. Um, I, I think they do some interesting stuff where if you have the PC or the Mac version, you literally have to like go around in the file system of the video game you have to like open the package contents on mac and like you can delete the characters one by one if you want to you can like fuck around with stuff in the code to to mess with the game they do an interesting thing on the console version where it's like a fake version of windows that you can kind of root around in and do a similar thing which i'm glad there's a point where monica is like monologuing as the villain about how it was so easy to delete the girls one by one and i was like oh this is my cue and i backed out of the game and i went into the files and i deleted her and that was like the end of the game for me i think i could have let that conversation play out and it would have ended differently but that was my version of it was like delete monica bring back the three other girls and like it becomes a normal video game again but i i think if you played it on pc or mac like around when it came out that was probably like a really interesting thing to check out but you know that that kind of like meta self-aware take on a dating sim um I think was really strong as a basis for this game. I think so too. I mean, I think it's worth, and I'm not going to no strong spoilers here, but just like conceptual spoiler, I guess. Yeah. But like, it's worth noting. I feel like this game came out very much inspired by what undertale was doing in terms of like the critique and the sort of um, the interrogation uh, and sort of deconstruction of like games in general. The thing about undertale though, is that like what I've often said about that game is that there was also a good game there. You know, like there's yes. like the game is elevated by this sort of meta part of it, but it didn't like I think if it didn't have that, it may not have gotten the acclaim it did. But I think it like it's it's the elevating ingredient to a really strong base and characters and, and a story in a game you genuinely love. And that way, when you are faced with those questions and those scenes that sort of break the fourth wall, it's it's um it is like interrogating a game that you actually love. Yeah. You know, rather than the idea of a game, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now and again, I haven't played Literature Club, so I don't want to speak like too out of line. But based on what you're telling me, I imagine I would have had a similar experience, which is probably why you told me to not play it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, and again, like this show exists because we bring stuff that we like. And like the reason I wanted to bring this up, even though I'm very critical of it, is like there is good stuff here. There is interesting yeah. stuff happening. I think like there are a lot of ideas in here that will, I think, be like copy pasted into other people's games. It's going to inspire a lot of people to make some really cool shit. Um, I, I, totally. think, I think they've done like a mostly good job. I just think the way that some of the mental health stuff is handled, considering it's like such a touchy subject already, is is unearned. Um, and kind of sours the rest. But. I imagine it's also disappointing when they did it well in the beginning. You know, yes. that that's I imagine you feel like a certain that was my biggest of, point of frustration yeah. was like, yeah, I I, I, th- I think they earned the first moment and very much not the subsequent ones. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, that's Doki Doki Literature Club. I think also like just based on what you said about repeating the event, like, you know, one of my favorite games ever, Nier Automata, also kind of a similar like meta critique of totally. games and stuff in moments. But um, that game does also make you play it three or four times. Right. But the thing is, it's the like maybe the second route is the one time where it's like, OK, like this is largely the same game. But without saying too much, there is enough variation. And the third time is essentially a new game that like, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're just retreading the same thing. I think that's important. I think like even even Undertale bumps into that a little bit and having to play it several times in the second playthrough i would say yeah. where it's like you do just have to repeat the same stuff and like that's a big ask even if you love it like to just to have the same moments again identically uh is a lot yeah um, and i think we've but in undertale from- or in a game like near automata there is a lot of game to be played in that second yes. run. Like if you like the core way that game plays, you That's will true, probably yeah. push through it. The problem with Doki Doki Literature Club is like you're going through the same text. You know, it's a visual novel. So you're like going through the same text a second time. I already know how all this is going to play out just because every once in a while it goes like, and you know, instead of showing me the text, like <laughs> it's not, it's not like making it an engaging second playthrough. So like for, for that bit of the game i like mostly threw it in auto and just like had it run while i was playing universal paper clips on the side <laughs> which is a little bit of a bummer that's uh, so ironic that you're playing a game about literally doing the same thing in infinite space right but it was you know built in a more digestible way that's yeah. so funny but that's Doki Doki literature club plus uh the the plus stuff is cool it's good i'll say that much they added a bunch of side stories that very much are just kind of like straight up visual novels where you get to see the relationships between the different members of the club kind of outside of uh you know the main plot of the game which i think is a little like fan servicey for the people who just like like the characters um i did one of them i liked it enough i was like kind of surprised by it specifically because it kind of gets closer to i think what you and i were just talking about which is like maybe the game should have just been that because i think the characters are strong i think the characters are interesting um yeah and and with a more with a more nuanced take and, and more of a uh more of a concerted effort to rounding them out to become real people and not just like fodder for dating the, the characters become even better um so that's you know if you haven't played the plus version but you liked the original like that is definitely a thing worth picking up just to check that out yeah i think i, I might like at least check out the beginning one day if there's like a slow period just to like have experienced it but yeah. um yeah i think i think i'm probably set yeah. <laughs> I you could probably put you. it down with the game loops and be like that's it for me yeah i appreciate you going through it and sharing your perspective on it and you know it's it's a tough game to cover for a lot of reasons because of the subject matter there but um you know i think like i'm glad to hear that it was at least partially successful and i think yeah. also like you said in doing this show we only bring games we like to the table but if it makes for an interesting conversation, you know, I think any any good piece of art, like even if it's if it's not wholly successful at what it does, if it allows for us to kind of like interrogate the work itself in this way, it succeeded on, on one end. You know, like I yeah. think it's like it's good to have these conversations and to recognize where a game fails without ridding it of its worth and totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I'm so on board with that. Yeah, but uh, I guess that's it. I, I guess that's going to do it for us. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing that like your section brought up this like you know, pretty grounded emotional discussion. And mine was like laughing at oblivion. <laughs> uh, we contain multitudes here in the aether, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, I, I appreciate what you said and what you shared there. Likewise. That's 
that's spooky season outside of Luigi's Mansion, which. Uh, yeah, I just want to say I want to I want to brighten up the mood a little bit. I'm so excited to talk about Luigi's Mansion. We're going to do it today. We're too, in this yeah. time of recording. We're literally going to do a double where we're going to talk about all three Luigi's Mansion games. And I have so much to say. And I just want to say right out. They're fucking great. I don't need to tell you. They all sold like fucked up numbers. I've, I was shocked. That's the thing I was going to bring up. Yeah. On the show. Are you going to bring it up, too? OK, cool. I'm excited. We'll to talk, talk about, about it later. But this, I think it's like I think the first Luigi's Mansion outsold Mario 64 like this franchise has done very well for Nintendo in a yes. way that like seems actually fake like it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's possible yeah it feels a little bit like the number one Beatles song was Octopus's Garden it's like what? that was <laughs> that was the hit it's a good song but that was like what made <laughs> them the most one? money yeah number one yeah the Beatles one uh, compilation CD is actually just that song <laughs> So I'm very excited for that. Um, but this is such a joy. I love this time of year. I will start hyping up the next spooky season probably next week. Yeah. Uh, Got to get a year of hype on board. Um, <laughs> I will mention to some games that I wanted to bring up this time that I didn't get around to. Um, I do want to play uh, the Castlevania sequel to Aria of Sorrow, uh, mm. Dawn of Sorrow on the DS. I have that. The meaning to play it for is forever. that in the that's probably in that new switch collection right it is i believe it is yeah but yeah. I, I have a copy i also want to check out that collection um silent hill 2 i got a copy of i can't believe it i got a copy i was gonna bring it to this episode but i didn't have enough time to like properly revisit it i've i've played the whole thing before it's a game that i adore but i would really love to do like an episode about that game or about the first three games some like silent hill was a big one yeah that i think you and i both want to talk about i'm re- i really want to check those games out yeah yeah they're they're incredible i also really want to play like one and three two is like the one people usually point to but one and three are also excellent and even for like i love trilogies that have the weird fourth one like people do like there is an audience for the room, which is the fourth one. Yeah, which is very funny. That it's not called the, movie. the room. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not time was so. But uh, anyway, so that's definitely on the horizon. I mean, there's so many great horror games, but uh, those are the big ones for me. How about you? Anything you want to? Anything that you didn't get to this season that you want to get to next one? Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, the the big one for me is um, Costume Quest Two. I, I never ended up playing, and I also wanted yeah. to check out Dead Space at one point and never ended up playing it. So I, I think honestly, by the time next spooky season rolls around, the Dead Space remake will be out. Totally. Um, and I think yeah. that'll be a good one to talk about. I want to play Typing of the Dead again. That was, yeah. that was a great game. Totally. It was House of the Dead 2, but as a you could get like a keyboard for the Dreamcast and you it was like a yeah. typing tutorial, but you were playing House of the Dead 2. I think they Excellent. did port that elsewhere. I think it might be on like the DS or something, or like or what? maybe the Wii or something. I re- I remember them moving that somewhere else. Um I need typing of the dead. House of the Dead was like the arcade uh, game of choice for me and my dad yeah i loved house of the dead oh shit what was the other one i was gonna say oh yeah also by the time next spooky season rolls around i think we'll have dlc for resident evil village which should be fun i have no idea what it's gonna be but i'm excited about that also a big one that a lot of people reached out to us recommending is inscription inscription new, yeah oh my yeah. god i'm so pissed about that yeah yeah it's a new uh devolver digital game that is like a card game that's like very haunted. Yeah. And it, it seems to be like like everyone is raving about it, but neither of us have a way to play it yet. It's yeah. only on PC. Yeah, just be, just to be clear, I'm not I'm not pissed about it because like the developer's taking too long. I just mean like I just don't have the way to play it. Yeah, we're just excited. And eventually it will show up and I'll get to play it and I'm excited to do that. So those are the those are the big ones. Hopefully we'll get to play inscription before the year is over. Yeah, hopefully. That's it. That's it for spooky season. It was so much fun. Thank you all for uh getting into the the Halloween vibes with us. Yeah. What a great time. 
It's yeah. it's really fun. You know what this means though is now we're like hurtling towards Goaty season. I know. I'm excited for that. I'm God. Goaty episodes are so fun. I know. They're so good. I love on this show. I can just say how much I love doing the show, and that's the show. <laughs> Talk about meta. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We already did the the outro, so uh, I'll just say my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! I love candy. I love ghosts. I love werewolf. I love toast. I don't know. It's nothing. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Garbage, the online.